but uh, but like if you set someone up next to a window and then they have like that split light to where half the face is in the shadows that yeah like like Rachel right now that's much more dramatic than like how mine looks where it's just flat lighting um and being in that monochrome really helps um really help <laughs> did John just disappear <laughs> y'all uh, y'all can talk if you want I don't know what just happened <laughs> Has everyone, have you guys shot in monochrome before? Well, no, we're I'm sitting here like looking at my camera like I don't even know how to set it to do that. The, uh, my computer died. Uh, well, I was, all of a sudden you just like, boop, you were gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> and my time is up. See you later. Welcome to the Light and Dark Podcast, where you can grow your community, build your business, and have fun doing it. I'm Rachel Driscoll. And I am John Mansfield. We are two wedding photographers forging our way in these sometimes lonely places of the entrepreneurial world, looking for a way to create community and a feeling of belonging. Deciding to join forces, we began our journey to teach a workshop that was inclusive of our very different yet equally creative styles, leading to the undertaking of the Light and Dark Workshop. Wanting to help more creatives than we could face-to-face, we decided to take our collective experience and start a podcast. And here we are today. If you're a creative entrepreneur looking for community and education, you've come to the right place. So grab a cup of coffee. Or a Red Bull. And buckle up for today's episode. Hey friends, what is up? Today we are super excited because today, on today's episode, right now, today, as you're listening, we are sharing a little bit of our free online workshop that we taught this past week. We covered our camera settings, our editing styles, and how we pose different couples. And it was so great to see so many of your faces there. And we are pumped to be doing this again. Yes, we're going to host another online workshop for free, just like this last one. You get to choose what we talk about. Uh, So join our Facebook group to share what you would like to grow in a little bit more. In today's episode, we are sharing our first hour of the workshop where we touched on our camera settings and why we use the settings that we do. Before we get into the episode, we absolutely love, like absolutely love to hear from y'all, whether it's getting to know you in our Facebook group or hearing why you love the podcast in a review, it means the world to us. So if you could take a quick minute to go over to iTunes, just leave a review with one thing that you like about the podcast or about this community, we would be super grateful. Now, let's get to the workshop. Yeah, and today we're going to be going over, I'm sure y'all know this because y'all are all pretty active in the group, but um, but yeah, today we're going to be going over um, like our camera settings, what we do for um, preparing for a photo shoot, how we're like kind of keeping in mind all the camera settings, how it's going to turn out later, and then our editing style, how we're going through with post-processing, and then also the posing uh, that we do at least some of the posing that we do um, for uh, the actual couple sessions, which 
my notes are mostly for like couple sessions because that's yeah. mainly what I do. Like 90% of the time it's either an engagement session or like an anniversary couple session or the actual like couples portion of the wedding day. So yeah. that's what, that's what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah. And you can always ask about any other, you know, bridals or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, same, same John got I wrote notes on all this stuff. Um, but um, the great part about this is that John and I have two completely different styles. So you're going to yeah. know how to do things completely opposite. <laughs> so it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And some things the same. Because like yeah. the first workshop that we did, I expected our, our shooting styles to be vastly different. And there were some things that, cause I think you went first or something, uh, in the, our first workshop. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's what I do too. That's cool. <laughs> hey, yeah. And then you just kind of like, you know, turn it, turn it to the, to the brighter side and I go moodier, darker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, we're going to treat this like, uh, like a, a, one of our in-person workshops. So, at any time, y'all feel free to unmute yourself and just be like, hey, I have a question. Or, you know, those of you who have video, just like wave your hands or something. And then we'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, what's up? There is actually a raise your hand option, and I can't remember where There is. At. Yeah, they were doing that at the oh. the board meeting. And I was like, where are you finding this uh, raise I your hand thing? Before, and I think Travis told me about it before like where it's at but I think I, it's in chat I that's where I'm looking I can't it's not it. in chat yeah close I, I have no idea it. I don't know I don't know how he does it but whatever it's fine if yeah. there is a chat box though so if you don't have the chat box open definitely open that up and that way you can see if there's uh, any questions that are asked and oh yeah you can you clap is that it that's not it though that's okay just, that's just clapping okay cool well thank for yay. what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> Um, but if you have questions and, and I'm like one of us are not getting to you, definitely type it in the chat box and um, yeah. we'll unmute you if you've been. Oh, oh, or or clap. Oh, look at that. Alyssa found it. Alyssa, I, I, unmute yourself and tell us where you found it. Um, I'm on my iPhone, but um, I just clicked the if you're on your phone, the more button. And then it should there's a bunch of settings like chat. Uh, oh, let me lower my hand, lower hand. Like there's options, but I don't. I know you can do it on your computer, but I don't really remember how. Yeah, I don't see any of that. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you can you can just unmute yourself and talk. Maybe because. Or I you can do a thumbs, thumbs up, up like Frankie right now. Yeah. Something like that. You can get our attention. Like, hey. like don't. This isn't going to be like a <laughs> a lecture type sort of deal where you need to be quiet unless you need to be excused for the bathroom sort of thing. Yeah. Y'all just like chime in. If you yeah. have anything, or do a thumbs up or a clap. I don't know how to make and the thumbs up go away. Yeah, I think it goes away by itself because I was like, I don't know how to get this clap. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, he's got it. Yep. Sweet. All right. Um, yeah, and since Audrey and Ayla, we can't see you, yeah, make sure to post in the chat <laughs> if you want to talk. Yeah. Okay, so you want to get started? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so starting with camera settings, um, it's like preparing for a photo shoot, I always try and keep in mind uh, what I'm going for, like what my editing style is. And early on, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was just shooting and then like, oh, I'll fix this later if it's not exposed well. Um, 
but I, I kind of keep in mind if, if I'm working with presets and I know that uh, the certain preset that I like tends to work better for overexposed photos, then I'm going to overexpose my settings a little bit during the session. That way, whenever I apply the preset, everything's looking right and not having to go and like drag all the stuff and fix everything. Um, but just kind of keeping that in mind. Um, and like whenever I first started using presets, I didn't know. Um, I'm gonna mute, sorry, I'm going to mute myself because apparently they're doing our yard today and they just they're mowing right under my, right next to me. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like, I didn't know um, with presets or anything and I actually created my own. So then I just went in the backyard and took a few test pre-shot or test shots of like going from way underexposed all the way up to properly exposed and overexposed and then just applied the preset to all of those and then saw like where it fell that worked great for like that one click preset um and for me and for most of the presets that i use it's uh underexposed just a little bit um also i prefer to underexpose because it gives a little bit uh a little bit more of that moodier feel um, I like those really like dark saturated colors and like crisp solid blacks. Uh, so I do, I do that also. Um, I'm sure all of y'all shoot in raw, but for sure shoot in raw. Uh, that was something that I did not know at the beginning. Uh, and there are so many, so many times that I've, just I couldn't save photos and I was like this was a great moment but I I can't save this this was way too dark or this was way like I just moved from inside the chapel and then outside and I was like oh look grandma and the kid and then it's just blown out because it was horrible uh, but yeah shoot and raw also I um uh, I shoot and raw because I I on my camera shoot in monochrome uh, so it just shows up black and white and if you were doing that in jpegs then you were going to have just black and white you're not going to be able to change that to color later um, but whenever i import everything into lightroom and apply my preset it changes everything magically back into color because the camera is still capturing all that will you explain why you shoot in monochrome for those yeah people? Yes. Oh, well. um, oh, also one more thing before the monochrome, um, like keep in mind for your camera settings, what scene you're in. So if you're trying to do like more of a landscape and get like the couple and you want to get the scenery and everything around them or the wedding venue back behind them, don't shoot it like 1.4 because you're going to have a really shallow depth of field. And then like, oh, I can see kind of those mountains back there, or at least these, you know, lumpy shapes. Um, but, you know, kind of keep in mind what you're looking for. If you're wanting to do, like, if it's portraits, then yeah, sure, 1.4 might be great. Um, or, uh, you know, we'll get into what we shoot for portraits later. Um, but kind of keep that in mind as you're setting up your settings, like, okay, this, this portion I'm going to be doing uh, more landscape photos. So I don't want to shell it up the field. I want to properly expose everything so I can actually see the tree line behind them. And it's not just 
blurry or that's just like black trees because you want to be able to see the leaves and, and all that. Uh, but the reason that I shoot monochrome um, and I, I learned this, uh, well, from a few different photographers, but uh, <clears throat> uh, Devin Robinson with Anchor and Veil was the first one that like showed it to me and why it's so great. Um, and then AV, I don't know if, if you remember this from the, uh, the creative conference, but it seemed like every other speaker was like, oh yeah, I shoot in monochrome because, and like all the, all the styled shoots, they would show the back of their camera and it's just black and white. Um, but the reason that I do that, uh, the reason that they suggested that was because you see the light a lot better because it's just like pure white. You got all the light, pure black, there's no light. And you can see the shadows much better on people's faces and the light fall off and all that kind of stuff. You're not distracted by color or anything. And then shooting in raw, you get the colors back. Um, so I do that and that has helped a ton, especially with properly uh, exposing outside or like on a quick, like quick pinch switching over to something else. Um, it's just like, I'm just looking at the shadows. I'm looking at the highlights and it's, uh, a little bit less for my mind to filter through. Uh, I don't know how much it takes off to not see the color, but, uh, it seems to work a lot quicker. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, also with focusing on the light because light, you know, kind of, it tells much more story. Um, cause like if, if I'm facing the light, it's all just like flat light. But if I turn to the side, you got a little bit more, I mean, it's not really well cause I have a bunch of lights on in here, but, uh, but like if you set someone up next to a window and then they have like that split light to where half the face is in the shadows that, yeah, like, like Rachel right now, that's much more dramatic than like, how mine looks where it's just flat lighting um, and being in that monochrome really helps um, really help. Uh, did John just disappear? <laughs> y'all uh, can talk if you want. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> John, Bye. I don't, I don't know what happened. John, John was done. Has everyone, have you guys shot in monochrome before? Well, no, wait, I'm sitting here like looking at my camera like I don't even know how to set it to do that. I never have. John showed me when we were in Waco recently and, and he showed I, me too. Yeah I mean it looks cool um, but I, I haven't tried it since then. Yeah. yeah I haven't either. I'm really curious like hmm. yeah, he loves it now. So. We could try doing that this week in terms of I've been doing um taking a few snapshots of my kids every day. So maybe I'll try that. Like I just keep a camera on my counter. Yeah. I just want to go, like if I see a good moment, I just snap it and I don't think about it. And then maybe, yeah, we can change our settings. Who shoots Nikon? Me. John does too. Oh, okay. Good to know. So I'll take a look. Do you shoot, what, what camera do you have? Um, I shoot mostly on my 850, but I also use an 810. Oh, okay. I have both too. So that's good to know. If you have any tips, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to shoot either in like monochrome. Like I, I, haven't, I haven't changed it over and looked, but I mean, I could see that, especially if you're trying to make sure that your um, clients are properly exposed. Like a lot of times it, I can see how like 
when you're looking at it originally, you might not notice like shadows in their eye sockets or something, you know? Um, and I could see that, that that would make it easier to notice the shadows in places where they're not supposed to be. Okay, John. Yeah, talking. I think that's a good tip. I, I remember I did a shoot last year. It wasn't a wedding, but it was out. Because, um, you know, Seattle gets pretty gray. I was going to say on a cloudy day, it would probably be very helpful. Yeah, and especially like being out in an open field, or for example, like I had this family that really wanted to shoot out there, and I just remember, um, and she was one of my more difficult clients. Like I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would work with her. Yet. <laughs> it was a good lesson, but she was very critical about like you know, especially shooting out, you know, and then having those shadows, right? Like the light was definitely, yeah. And I, at the time, I didn't even think about it, but like I think you know, having if it was in monochrome, I could see that better and maybe make yeah. more adjustments. Adjustments, and she was like all about like you know, she didn't want to be shot with like one side of her face. She liked her angle to be like on this side, and you gotta love those clients. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, but it, it's pretty common, I think, here too in Seattle. Like right today is a, a cloudy day out here. I don't know here. I'm gonna move my camera for a second. While we keep talking about this, I don't know where John went, but you see out, it's like a gray day. Can you uh -huh. guys see outside? Yeah. Very gray, yeah. typical Seattle. You can't see the mountains right now, but that's kind of what I have to deal with basically through a yeah. good chunk of the year until summer, the summer months come up and then it's beautiful here for, you know, from like June through like October. But until then it's like, you're dealing with like weird light. Yeah. yeah. I... I told, wait, that's so weird. So I figured it out on Canon. I don't know how many of you guys shoot on Canon, but I figured out how to change the settings. I was just about to ask if you found it. John, I'm a, I'm a Canon too. John showed me when we were in Waco. Yeah. It's in settings under picture style, which I've never even played with that ever. On the back of your, um, your main menu that pops up where you can change your f-stop and all that stuff. Towards the bottom, I need to grab my camera out and tell you the right thing. But towards the bottom, there is, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, it, like normal. There's an N, a P, and S. Do you see it? I found trying it. To, yeah. Trying to remember all the other things that are on there. But you can change it quicker on there. Okay. I asked when you're shooting in this, like, um, when you're importing. <laughs> When you're finally looking at your images, like, how does that convert back to color? Like, in terms of, like, how does it work? I, I know, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, no, um, because the, so really what it's doing is it's only showing the monochrome on your screen. So, okay. like, even, you know, like, when you, when you shoot, um, jpeg for instance, your, mm -hmm. the back of your screen, like, your camera already does a little bit of editing, if that makes sense. So then when you go to actually like import it, it's going to revert back. Um, so it's the same thing I think for uh, monochrome. It's just that it's just the, like the in-camera editing. And then once it, once you are importing, it's going to import as a raw file. So it'll have all of that. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Cause I was like, Oh shoot. Like what happened? As long as you're shooting in raw because <laughs> Yeah, John's I made that mistake before. JPEG, it's gonna be, it's gonna be black and white. <laughs> Are we getting both images then, like the color and the monochrome, or is it like only gonna show you the color? When you're importing, I'm assuming yeah. it's just the color, right? Because you're shooting raw. 
Now um, we're back. <laughs> when, okay, yeah. Um, we a, We've been continuing yeah. the conversation. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I Okay, so whenever you're shooting in monochrome, it's just what you're seeing on your camera. So camera is still doing all the stuff, because uh, you can do, like, vivid color, you can do standard color, all those different things, uh, and it's pretty much just changing what you see on your little uh, LCD back screen, uh, but it's still taking in all the same raw information. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you, when you uh, import them into Lightroom, if you just straight import them, they will still be black and white. Um, but as soon as you go over to uh, develop and you start moving stuff around, it'll like switch over to color. I don't really understand why it's still black and white and then it switches, but yeah, you still have. Well, I wonder color. how that would work in Bridge uh probably about about the same yeah it does the same thing or that's what it did in my in my bridge it it's really it's nerve-wracking to see it on your camera like when john first showed it to me in waco it's nerve-wracking because you're like but if it's really only in black and white i really want that yeah. color of the flowers and stuff right and then when i put it into bridge it it starts out the black and white and then if i press my preset it just changed it, it. Yeah, it changed it. it, but it's not my preset. It was the Mastin's ones that I was using. So. Yeah, no, and that makes mm -hmm. sense because anytime, like, magic, when you go in <laughs> and you pull anything up, anything that was already on it, it's going to revert it back to the original and put that preset on it kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I ask about that um, because I don't use Lightroom. Um, I am super old school and I use Bridge, which is an Adobe product still. <laughs> it's so I, when I started shooting, Lightroom was not a thing. It's not around. And so, um, so I learned on Bridge and it's just a bigger version of Lightroom. Basically. That's all it is. Just a bigger version. Mm -hmm more robust. So, I have a question actually. Yeah. Um, so whenever you're shooting, especially indoors, it's not as big of a deal outdoors, but when you're shooting indoors and you have like an LED light versus a more yellow light shooting in color, you can kind of color correct in camera. Does that affect anything when you're shooting black and white? That's a good question. White balance issues. Yeah, so with uh, shooting in monochrome, it's pretty much like auto white balance, um, but applying a preset to it um, will correct all of that. Uh, so very rarely do I have to go in and like change to like a fluorescent white balance or something like that. Uh, but I mean, in, in Lightroom, I just use the eyedropper tool. You never shot with like Kelvin or anything anyways, right? You always did like auto. I shot with Kelvin for a little bit, but I didn't like it uh, because I would have to go into my, I, I did it on my old camera. Um, so I would have to go into the menu oh, right. and then change. And I was like, that was wasting way too much time. Like I, I would still do it with like family sessions or something because I could get a more precise uh, white balance reading for you know, outdoors or whatever, yeah. but how quick I was going from indoor to outdoor to fluorescent light to incandescent. I was like, yeah. this is taking way too much time to go in there. And I know with, um, and I, with I've like my Kelvin since like 2013. So. Yeah. Which, which that's great. And, um, but I, I mean, the camera's pretty smart. So I just let it do all auto white balance um and then if if everything looks weird 
um, later whenever I'm editing, I'll just use the white balance eyedropper tool. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, click on, you know, something white, uh, some like the, the bride's dress or something like that. And then nine out of 10 times, it's exactly what it needs to be. Um, but yeah, so that all the monochrome stuff is really just for the back of the camera so that you can see light and dark and shadows and, and all that a little bit crisper. Um, plus it looks like a little bit more dramatic because black and white photos are like always add a little bit more drama and like classiness. Like it seems very classic and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that looks, that looks really nice and classic. Like, <laughs> uh, but yes, let me get my notes back up. The, uh, my computer died. Uh, well, all of a sudden you just like, whoop, you were gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> and my time is up. See you later. Uh, yeah, the kids were in here earlier looking for something, and uh, and I'm on the laptop to use the webcam. Yeah. So uh, one of them tripped over the cord, and I only had a certain amount of time. Um, but yeah, do you want to go into yours uh, sure. for a little bit, and I'll jump back into mine yeah. after that? Yeah, Okay, so like we were talking about earlier, I shoot Nikon, and um, I am definitely more of the light and bright. I wouldn't call myself light and airy um, because I love contrast, and I feel like the light and airy is not, they don't like contrast, so, <laughs> so I call myself light and bright, and um, so I definitely shoot a little bit more wide open. Um, I have actually started shooting more like an F2 uh, most of the time when I'm shooting portraits. Even when I'm shooting like um, like the wedding party, the like bridesmaids, groomsmen, I might bump it to 3.2 if I'm doing like the full wedding party. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I just keep in mind like where everybody's at and where they are on the plane and try to keep them kind of together. But I found like lately um, I'm really liking the F2 area. Um, so for outside um, with my camera, what I normally start out if I'm outside, I'll always start out at ISO 100, uh, F2, and then I change my shutter speed depending on what's going on outside. Um, so that's pretty simple. That's just kind of where I, I start. Um, white balance, I use Kelvin. <laughs> so um, I have used Kelvin forever. I don't know. And it's normally set around 5,000. I don't really change it too terribly much unless I'm like going inside and it's really blue or really orange, then I will move it down um a, like a lot but if I'm outside like even towards the sunset time I know some people will like move it up towards the 6,000 range to get more of that orange in I keep it at 5,000 and I'll just change it in um in post if I need to um but I just feel like it kind of keeps it neutral um so really the only time I change it is if it needs to if it's too orange then I'll change change it to a cooler tone but um I like using that, especially for weddings when I have um, second shooters. That way we can sync our white balance. And that way when I'm going to editing, it's all the same. And if I need to change it, it's a lot easier, um, I feel like, than, than having two different um, white balances. Um, mm. So, and then for receptions, when I'm using flashes, um, so I know some of us are wedding photographers, so I thought I'd just throw in like my reception setup like camera setup 
So I normally have, depending on how big the space is, I have two to three off-camera flashes um, in a reception area. Um, and I, um, on my camera, then I have one on my camera as well. Um, I still, during receptions, will shoot at probably F2, sometimes F3.2, but I keep it kind of lower because I'm trying to get as much light as possible. And so, um, because again, I shoot light. <laughs> So even at receptions that the background may be a little bit darker with like pops of the flash or whatever, but, um, but I still want my people exposed. Um, and so, and then my ISO, because I have flashes, I'll do anywhere like my, on the low end will be 1600. Um, and I'll go up to 4,000 because when you have that much flash going off um, you don't really have to deal with a lot of grain and it's a reception. So I feel like it's, you got a little bit more leeway to have some more fun with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my shutter speed, I don't go above like 160 usually. It's like 160 to even sometimes down to uh, 20, 20. Um, because you can you can bring your shutter speed down way far when you have flash going. You just have to be careful of like ambient light and people moving. So if I'm like on the dance floor, I'm definitely going to be more of like a 160 area um, to make sure that their hands aren't like, you know. <laughs> Unless you're going for that effect. I'm going for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like with glow sticks, whenever they bring the glow sticks out on the dance floor, I'm always dropping to. Down. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, so that's um, kind of mine in a nutshell. I'm pretty simple. I, I mean, I don't change my settings too terribly much. I like, um, I really like a, um, a shallow depth of field. I like my clients, my subjects to pop off my, um, pop off the image. And, um, and so I have just over the years kind of learned where to, placement, especially like, you know, placing my, my subject um, you know, closer to me, but further away from their background kind of thing and, um, just learn those things. And so um, the settings work for me, um, it, shooting that wide open, you do have to keep in mind, like your couples, like where their noses are compared to each other and like where their eyes are compared to each other, because if they're too far, like if they're like this, you're going to have one person's in focus and the other person's not. I feel like that's distracting. So mm -hmm. I try to keep everybody kind of on the plane, on the same plane. So like Frankie and Amy, y'all, y'all been subjects of mine before. So you kind of can probably remember like me being like, let me move your head just a little bit, you know? <laughs> and that's why I want you both in focus. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's kind of my camera settings in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'll get into my like ISO shutter speed, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I also start off around like one, 200 for ISO. I try to keep it low, uh, because the lower your ISO, the more dynamic range you have from your, uh, your shadows to your highlights. Um, and as you go up in your ISO settings, if you're like 6,400, your dynamic range is much shorter. Uh, and I love that dynamic range. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we have fancy cameras. Um, and I usually will expose for my highlights um, because I like those really dark blacks and shadows and stuff. Um, so uh, I'll expose, like I'll put, you know, my couple in a highlight or something and then I'll expose for the highlight. And then, you know, and that could be, going up to you know shutter speed you know 4000 or something uh, or like i've shot like aperture 16 like f16 before uh just to get the right 
exposure for having them in direct sunlight and still get you know what I'm wanting uh, out of the photo. Yeah, um, see, and I do the opposite. I actually um, meter for shadows. Like I meter, mm -hmm. yeah, because I because I don't mind my background being um, way overexposed. Like that's kind of my, right. my style. So yours, mm -hmm. you want everything like exposed well, and I um, just want my subjects exposed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you and can, all you can get both the background and your subjects exposed. I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I definitely want like my my subjects exposed exposed well, um, unless I'm trying to do like something creative where most of them or like what? it's just like you know their yeah. face just yeah. like falls into a shadow or something. Um, but yeah, usually I'm starting around like f three point two, and kind of playing around with shutter speed from there. Um, unless I'm wanting to get motion because uh, you know when we get to the posing I'll talk a lot more about motion but I like to show motion in my photos uh, so sometimes to get that when we're shooting at you know 4 p.m. and the sun's still nice and bright um, and you're out in the middle of a field or something uh, you've got to go you know I'll go with a higher f-stop just so that I can get that motion and be able to shoot at like you know one one twenty-fifth of a second and get their motion as they're running through the field together and that little bit of blurry like hand holding in between them um but not be super overexposed with the bright sun um but yeah that's the that's about it um oh also um i tend to focus uh like set my um exposure for their face or their hands just depending on the photo because like their face tells a lot of emotion and hands tell a lot of emotion uh so if th those are exposed well then you know the background can be completely white i don't care uh but their hands are in in well they don't have to be in focus but they're exposed properly they're not just like white alien hands or something um or you know, they're not where you're seeing all the different wrinkles and everything. And, you know, I added another 40 years on the bride's hands because you don't appreciate that. Uh, but, um, but yeah. And then for ISO later on, like uh, sunset photos, after dark photos, um, reception lighting, I try to keep it under 6,400. Um, usually I'm around like a thousand, maybe yeah, 1200 I, or I something. Like, um, a lot of photographers are scared of bumping their ISO up, but cameras, um, especially nowadays, especially if you're shooting with like, you know, you have like a 750, 810s, mm -hmm. 850s, things like that. They are very capable Oh, yeah. um, handling a higher ISO and so once even you know if you get into blue hour or whatever if you need to bump that ISO up like don't be scared of it um I think that a lot of people get scared of it but oh yeah yeah I've I've shot a uh, blue hour before where you know we we're probably like two minutes past final light and I'm like yeah. no but we'll just use this little bit you know coming off the moon over here and I'm like you know, cranking it to 12,000 ISO and I'm down to like one fortieth of a second and trying to hold my breath and it gets some grain in there, but also 
in post-processing, you can use your noise reduction, smooth it out a little bit, don't go crazy, because uh, then they just look like porcelain. And yeah, plastic. <laughs> um, but I would rather get a grainy photo and capture the moment, capture the emotion, than to just be like, well, I can't do this, and then not not get that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I, I stand on. Do that for all of your portraits, but <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that was a mistake that I made early on. Was because I found that my photos looked better. Um, like I had. I don't know, is is mainly reception photos that looked better whenever I was shooting at like, you know, twenty four hundred ISO. Mm -hmm. So I would just leave it at that for the entire day. And whenever I was taking portraits, I was at twenty four hundred and I was just like, Yeah, it's you know, it's more sensitive to light. I can I can get more this way. And then whenever I finally started actually learning my camera and went back down to ISO 100 and had proper settings. I was like, Oh, this looks so much better. Like <laughs> no wonder everything's been so grainy and like, I can't get like solid black colors. Everything was just kind of like grain gray. Uh -huh. yep. uh, but also with that, um, I usually shoot with a 35 or a 50, um, for most of the day. Oh yeah, I guess uh, this too. Yeah, I, I I do yeah thirty five fifty and then I pull out my eighty five for a few portraits here and there. Um, mm -hmm. But I could shoot an entire wedding with a thirty five or a fifty. Yeah, I accidentally shot an entire wedding with a fifty because uh, I was just it was it was great and I didn't I wasn't thinking to change anything. I was like. I just shoot that entire thing on the same oh, lens. <laughs> I just carried around my, my bag with me the entire day, breaking my back and I didn't even eat it. Um, yes. But yeah, I love getting those wider angles, get more of everything that's going on. Um, I mean, for portraits, 85 is great. You know, sometimes I'll throw my like 70 to 200 on there for portraits. Uh, if I want that really bokeh, blurry background. Mm -hmm. um, also, I'll have that on like a second body for yeah. ceremony shots just to get a couple close-ups of like putting on the rings, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, so it's, it's not that I don't use those zoom lenses or long lenses. Um, it's just, you know, in, in the whole day, I'm maybe getting 30 frames off of that during the reception or during the ceremony and then you know yeah. thousands off of the 35 yeah so i don't even use the 7200 anymore i mean i still have it um and that was actually one of chris's favorites um but chris doesn't shoot with me anymore so mm -hmm. uh, i still have it and it was originally um before i got my 85 my favorite portrait lens um because yep. of that gorgeous creamy <sighs> the creaminess you know um, but the 85 does it for me. So, and then it's, it's not as long. I don't have to zoom things. I don't like to zoom things, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, I do, I will use, I always have the 24 to 70 with me on a wedding day as well because of the 24, like the width. So that if I oh, yeah. like need to get a picture in a small space, I know at least I can have that, but I don't pull it out at every wedding. It's usually just like a, in case you need it kind of a thing. Um, and yeah, so the majority of portraits, I use the 35, 50 and, um, 85 and, um, for 
like what like the actual ceremony time um depending on how big the ceremony area is it'll either be the 35 or 50 um that I'm using for the majority of it and um the 85 is really just my portrait lens and I just use it during portrait time during like bridesmaids portraits groomsmen portraits bridal portraits groom portraits then they're them together as well um but everything else is like the 35 and 50 those are my favorites yeah yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those prime lenses, the, the, it's just so sharp. Like the glass is so much better. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't care. Like I'll use my feet to zoom. It's cool. Exactly. Well, and so for during receptions too, um, I mm-hmm. tend to stick with the 35, um, maybe the 50, but the 35, I can just get, I can get in the dance floor more so because I like to like get in with them so that I'm getting pictures of them having fun like I'm up and close and personal they feel like their pictures like they're up and close and personal when they're looking at them rather than having like even a 50 sometimes I feel like it's too far um and and then the other thing about that is because because you'd be like well why not the 24 to 70 well First of all, it's heavier. <laughs> My arm gets tired. And secondly, um, the uh, f-stop. That's really what does it for me. I shoot at f2 during the reception to get in as much light as possible. And the 24 to 70 is 2.8. And that doesn't seem like it's a big difference, but every bit makes a difference when you're shooting a reception to me. That's just... That's mine. So I used I used to shoot it on yeah. 24 to 70, but I don't anymore. I just do the 35. And I literally, all I have is just my camera body and my 35. That's it. The, the whole reception. I don't even, I don't change it at all. Except for, yeah. well, I'd say that during like the dancing part, like during uh-huh. like first dances, things like that, I'll, I'll still have like my two camera setup where I do an 85 and either the 35 or 50, depending on how big the space is kind of thing. Cause I like to do a shot where I have um, the bride and groom dancing and I um, have the bride's dad behind them and he's watching the bride and groom and I yeah. they'll be, they'll be in the foreground and I'll use my 85 and I'll get his reaction. You know, if you're like tearing up or something, I'll get his reaction while they're in the foreground and it makes for a really nice portrait of the first dances. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I also keep the, two bodies on for like through the first dances and then after that yeah. I'm going to just one and I'm usually uh either 24 to 70 or just uh, like uh 35 uh, for a dance floor I really like the 24 uh because I can get yeah. a lot because yeah. uh, yeah. I am also the same way where I'm I'm in the dance floor with them. I'm dancing. I'm doing the wobble. Uh, you know, some of the weddings, they're like looking around, like, I don't even know how to do this. I'm like, Oh, let me, like, this is how, this is how you start this wobble thing. Um, but yeah, having that wider angle really gets everything. And you can feel like you're, you're shooting in the moment instead of shooting at the moment, uh, which I used to pride myself at shooting at the moment. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say it like that, but I was like, Oh yeah. Like I just, I just kind of stand around, you know, circle around the perimeter and I'll get all those candid shots of everyone laughing and stuff. And they don't even know that I'm there because I have my 70 to 200 and I would shoot with that during the reception and get people dancing and people laughing and people talking at tables, but they didn't know that I was taking their photos. But looking at the photos, it was just like, okay, yeah, that's two people laughing 
or yeah. something. Like, yeah. you, there was no emotion. There was no feeling connected to it. But with a 24, you're right up at them. And, and also with that, you get a lot of the people who are just like pointing at the camera. And yes, those know. are always fun. Yeah. yeah. And I tell you, a lot of my brides and grooms that uh, like found me from other weddings will say, like, we loved that you were out there dancing with us. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, have fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, because receptions are long AF. And yeah. <laughs> always thing that gets me through it is doing the wall. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, as far as like settings for dance floor, um, I usually have like a two or a three light setup uh, where I have a couple lights kind of diagonally, but they're not like pointing at each other. They're like just past. Like one's kind of hitting from like the right side but covering the near side of the dance floor and then the other one's on the left side covering the far side of the dance floor so they're not like across each other hitting but they're like crossing like that i don't know if that makes sense on zoom an example um i probably can't oh i'm i don't have any examples on this computer though um but i will yeah i'll post in the group for sure. You're talking about your, sorry, I missed what you just said because one of my kids just texted me. Um, Re- reception lighting. Your off-camera lighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty a, much. I do kind of a crisscross model, so um, I I usually had my one of my off-camera flashes next to the DJ booth because they always got lights going on. I got to compensate a little. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I do one like diagonal from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a X almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you do that and I, uh-huh. I actually, I actually have them kind of cross each other. So yeah, let's see if I can, let's see if I can draw, let's see how good my drawing skills are. Okay. We're going to do it <laughs> like this. This is turned into Pictionary. Nice. DJ, I have a light right here. I'll try to have a light right here. And then probably right here if I have a three light setup. Does that see? Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have them both corners. Yeah. And if if I only need two, I'll do this. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. I had to use a similar setup during a wedding (laughs) I did at the it was like the last wedding. It was right before everything got shut down at the end of February. And it was because it's completely pitch black dark here in Seattle by like you know, 4 p.m. Right. So I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, um, I use, and I, I'll just go into my, my flashes real quick. I use the young duo flashes. Um, and I use the ones that are like, not the bottom tier, like, but not like the top tier either. They were like 110 bucks a piece. Um, and mm-hmm. I also use the young duo trans, trans fevers. Is that reversed to y'all? Yeah, it's reversed. Can you read that? Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll also post about this in the in the group. Why do you yeah. use those um, particular flashes? Like what, like, what made you decide to use So I had Nikon flashes for yeah. a while, um, but those are like three, dollars $400 a piece, mm-hmm. um, and I broke one of them. And I, I replaced... And yeah. Then- so I, re- I replaced it and I bought a uh, young new cause I had a wedding like the next week. I was like, I'm just going to get something real quick. Um, 
to get this and uh and yeah we can we can post all like the actual product names and everything yeah same kind of thing i so i rented um I rented Nikos, so I bought one, and I bought the one that has like the built-in transceivers or whatever, the Nikon, the 910, whatever that one is. It's comparable to the Canon one that does, that like, yeah, imported the 910 for 190. Some, some, yeah, um, so I got that one, and then I rented a couple more to use at a wedding, and I had the hardest time getting them to sync. They were having a hard time, like, with like the DJ booth, like everything was like messing up and if I wasn't close enough and whatever, and I had the hardest time. And so then I did some research and somebody suggested these young UOs and then suggested the transceivers that go with it. And um, so, yes, I have transceivers, but they're not like those hot shoes because those things, I've heard nightmares about those too. So these, they work just like that, the, the transceiver and the, um, and the flashes, but they have a, a better range. I don't know. I've literally never had one problem. It is never not synced ever. I've never had it um, like competing with DJs or anything like that. And the flashes give off just as much light. So um, for me, it was more economical. I could get four flashes for the price of one, uh, yep. the, the Nikon. And then the transceivers really aren't that bad either. They're like 40 bucks for two. And so I just, I just have a bunch of them. Um, and so that's what I use and I can set it up and those transceivers that I have, they, um, they have like the, the channels and the, um, and the ABCDs or whatever. So I can set each flash to a, um, they're all in the, for me, they're all on the same channel. And then I set them for like one's A, one's B, one's C kind of thing. And so that I can easily, and then I have one on my camera with my on-camera flash on it. I can easily, um, turn them off if they're too much. So if I'm in the middle of like first, like first dances and one of the flashes is just too close and it's just too hot on their faces, I can quickly just turn it off um, and not have to worry about that and then turn it back on later. Um, Alyssa, sorry, I see your hand raised. Let me go ahead and let you, you answer or ask your question. Um, I just, okay, so do you usually have your seconds also using their off-camera flashes? Cause I know it doesn't, I mean, good pictures are, worth more than like people complaining about flashes but I just get so annoyed with people sometimes who complain about us having like 10 million flashes um so do you have your second like with a similar setup or like what do you do like with that um so most of the time my seconds do they just use their on-camera flash um I do have extra transceivers so if anything I could set them um up with a transceiver if they wanted um to use it but I've never had anybody complain about the flashes just because the DJ booth is usually going off crazy too. So really it doesn't make a big difference. Um, um, but yeah, no, most of the time I don't, I don't require my seconds to bring, um, off camera flashes. I just let them use their on camera and, uh, because they're normally just getting supplemental pictures for me. Normally I'm having my seconds do like the tabletop pictures where they're going to every table and asking to get pictures of guests kind of thing. And then they're getting like little pictures here and there, but I'm the one who's mostly getting the ones that are like on the dance floor with the pop of the flash, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, so 
I way over deliver for receptions. I normally deliver like between 15 to 2000 pictures from the, just the reception, <laughs> but that's including black and white conversions. Cause I do black and whites for every, so, I mean, it's half of that, like of what I've actually taken kind of thing. Um, so I do things a little differently than a lot of people too. I deliver a black and white conversion for every image that they get. So, um, so yeah, so they get a lot of pictures from that, but yeah, for my seconds, they just, they just use their own camera. Mm. that's the same for me too i have <clears throat> i have my setup which is pretty similar but a little bit different um so i have this guy that uh just sits on the camera hot shoe and i can control uh i think up to six flashes i just use it for three um and then it's hooks up like this transceiver is made for these young new flashes uh so i can i can set you know if i want my flash a to be at you know one one twenty eighth then i do that or if i want it at one oh one over one and just like full power uh i can do that and uh and then this just stays on my camera and i have the two on the dance floor uh like I showed earlier, and then one handheld. Uh, that way I can definitely get um, whatever, like if if they're coming off the dance floor, because sometimes the party comes off the dance floor. Uh, you know, I had one where like the groomsman just picked up the groom and went to go throw him in the lake. And I had to follow and I, you know, had that handheld flash. So I was able to get some well-lit photos outside. I didn't throw them in the lake, uh, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, I have, I have those three for me. And then for my second shooter, they just have one of these, well, minus all this stuff. Um, but just one uh, bouncing off the ceiling, bouncing off the walls, something like that. Just one on camera. Uh, Does your hot shoe allow for you to have an on-camera flash? Uh, with, with the transceiver? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, that's why I use mine is I like to have one on my as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have, I have some that are similar to the ones that you use. Um, and I, I used those before, uh, and they were great because I also wanted that on camera, Mm -hmm. uh, bounce light. Um, but I, I like this setup a little bit more. It, it goes more into, uh, I don't know. I just like the the way that the lighting is set up. It's yeah. less it's less kind of like that bouncing fill light that kind of hits everywhere and yeah. it's only the light coming from one yeah. direction or from behind them wherever I have them set up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but then I get like my second shooter is shooting at the same time on the dance floor so we get those bounced light photos as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, um, cause we're going to email all of y'all with, uh, kind of some notes from today. So we'll include all of our, uh, like links to purchase those on, yeah. it, you know, B&H or something or Amazon. Yeah. I got mine on Amazon. And like I said, Me too. my young new flashes are, they were 110 a piece. The transceivers were like 40 for two or something like that. So mm-hmm. It's a and and it's nice because if if it breaks like it's not going to kill you 
have to buy a new right. one. Where it's like yeah. when your Nikon breaks and it's a four hundred and fifty dollar flash, mm-hmm. <laughs> that hurts. <Yeah. laughs> you know, because <laughs> I've I've had light stands fall over with you know drunk guests and and all that. They don't see the sandbags. It's fine, but. You know, I've I've lost a couple of these young newer ones over the years, and like this one, I mean, I don't know which one it is, but I've had one of these for three years. Yeah, uh, I think I've and had it's for two. And the the recycle rate is also really so, fast. Well, uh, that was two. That is one thing is that I don't use my um, flashes high powered. I I keep them at about one thirty two or one sixteen at the most, and that way. It, it has the opportunity to recycle faster and you're not mm-hmm. like flying through batteries either. And it's not hot because at yeah. one over one, your flash is super hot and yeah. can actually burn you. So, um, yeah, I, I try to keep it like that. And then I compensate with my ISO. Mm-hmm. So I would rather have a higher ISO and, um, not as powerful a flash than the opposite. So yeah. the, Cause I already run through batteries as it is. So. Yeah. I, I keep my flashes around the same, like one over 32, one over 64. Um, and between those two, one handheld, um, my like dance floor settings are F4 to like F5.6 sometimes if I want to get like people sitting watching, um, and, and them in focus. And then ISO is usually around 800, 1200, somewhere around there. And that is getting plenty of light from the flashes without them having to be set on a more powerful setting to where the recycle rate's a little bit slower um, and all that. I'm wondering if I can show like an example of a reception, like if I can post one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can share your screen or you should be able to. Yeah. So while you're looking at that, I have a question. Um, so John, yeah. I worked with you before and you mentioned how your flashes were Nikon and I work with a Canon. So does right. that brand make Canon compatible flashes or is it just Nikon compatible? They make Canon, they make uh, Sony. All the things. All the different. Okay. Yeah. And, um, little and a little unknown fact is that all flashes are compatible with all, like you can put a Canon flash on a Nikon and it will work fine. <laughs> It's not like lenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the hot shoe, like it's not like it it's got one little connector in there. Unlike this, which is made for Nikon, so it has the Nikon pattern. Mm-hmm. And like Canon has I don't think it has this one, it's like over here or something. Um but yeah, they're they do make them like you can if you search for these on Amazon or whatever, and just put Canon after, you know, Young UO, Y6, whatever, uh, Canon, then it'll show the Canon version that's made more specifically for Canon, which would still work on my Nikon, um, but odds are it'll probably work better on your camera uh, than, and also, uh, it doesn't matter if you're doing these remotely, it doesn't matter what what the hot shoe looks like because they're not on a hot shoe. They're just on a cold shoe on a light stand somewhere. And the transmitter is 
really what's uh, what's important for your camera. And the transmitter, like this one, is uh, thirty five bucks. Um, and then, like my whole setup, light stands included, is less than four hundred dollars. Although I'm going to be getting new light stands soon. Oh, I need to get new ones for that. Yeah. But I'm going to get some cheetah stands. Because whenever you lift them up, they close the feet together, and then you can just put them down, and they. Oh, nice. It's super quick. Uh, if you know things are moving. Y'all, we absolutely loved getting to have you in the workshop together, and we cannot wait for the next one. And just like the last one, this one, you get to choose what we're going to talk about. We'll post a poll in our Facebook group. And of course, we would love to have you in our Facebook group. So you can just search Facebook for the Light and Dark Photography Podcast group or go to lightdarkco.com slash join FB and that'll take you right there. If you want to be one of the first to know about the date of our next free online workshop, go to lightdarkco.com slash online workshop. Can't wait to have you there. Thank you for listening to the Light and Dark podcast. You can join us next week live on Facebook in our Light and Dark photography podcast group by heading to lightdarkco.com slash joinfb or by searching Facebook for Light and Dark Photography Podcast. I'm Rachel Driscoll, and you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Driscoll. And I am John Mansfield, and you can find me on Instagram at allheartphoto. The Light and Dark podcast is recorded in front of a live Facebook audience. You can find the show notes with all the things at lightdarkco.com slash podcast. This podcast was edited by me, John Mansfield, and our theme is by the talented John Isaac. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.